The Rebbe starts off the Sikha by saying that we spoke already in the past at length, that even though Rashi in his Pirush explains Pshutish Mikra, and the places where he does bring Pirushim of Drashis Razal, it's only in places where there's a necessity for them in the way of Pshat. Nevertheless, we see that in our parish, in connection to the words of Bilam, Rashi brings many Drashis Razal, completely in an unusual way for his Pirush on the Torah. And the reason for this is, because Torah itself says in Pshutish Mikra, that Bilam was speaking of Ayisa Mishaloi, he's speaking in a way of a mushal, which tells us that even in Derach Apshat, even in the simple way of understanding these Psukim, the meaning of these words are not going to be limited just to the simple translation of the words, but rather there's a Nimshal, there's something to be learned from these words, and in them are also found Ramazim, different hints and drushes, which are not explicit in the words of the Posuk. At the same time, it's also understood that even those drushes, there is a need for them, even based on the pshat of the posuk, and they are connected uh, to the understanding of the posuk. Says the Rebbe, according to all of this, we need to understand something in the second Rashi on the posuk and the words of Bilam Kiloi Nachash Biyakov Veloi Kesem Biyisroel, which means that there are no soothsayers, no sorcerers, no, no sorcery amongst the Yidden. And then the posuk says Koes Ye Omer Liyakov. What do these words mean? So Rashi brings the words and explains that there is going to be another time, just like this time, when the preciousness, when the love of the Yidin will be revealed to the eyes of everyone, how they are sitting in front of Hashem and learning Torah from Hashem, and how the place where the Yidin are, their partition that they are sitting in, is even closer in, closer to Hashem, more than the Malachi Hashores, and the Malachim will be asking the Yidin, Ma Poal Kale, what is Hashem doing? And this is as the Pasuk says, and your eyes will see your teacher, the Yidin seeing Hashem. Then Rashi says, another meaning for the words, Yeyomer Liyakov, Yeyomer Liyakov is not in the future it will be said, but rather in the present tense. That is, that they don't need the people that are the soothsayers and the sorcerers, etc. Because any time anything needs to be said to Yaakov and to the Yidden of what Hashem is doing and what Hashem's decrees are up on high in heaven, so they don't use magic and sorcery, rather it's given over to them through their Nevi'im, exactly what Hashem's decree is, or the Urim Vatumim will tell them, what Hashem wants. And finally, Rashi concludes with the words, V'unklus loy tirgim kein, and unklus did not translate the Pasuk in this way. So here the Rebbe asks a number of questions. Number one, first of all, the Arichus in Rashi, specifically in that first Pirush, how is all of this hinted? And why is it relevant to the Pshat of the words of our Pasuk? Second question that Rebbe asks is, what is the difficulty with each of these two pirushim that Rashi even needs to have two pirushim? Another thing that Rebbe says, as the Rebbe often points out, when Rashi brings two different pirushim, so Rashi brings the first pirush before the second, which shows that the first one is somehow closer to the simple meaning of the Pasuk. How is the first pirush closer to Pshutish Mikra? Another question that Rebbe asks is, what does Rashi want with these words that Unklus didn't translate the Pasuk in the same way? There's plenty of other places where Targum Unklus is going to be different to Rashi, and Rashi doesn't mention it at all. Why is Rashi suddenly mentioning this idea over here? So there are Mepharshim that say 
that the need for the first pirush, what forces the first pirush, is the word ko'es. Ko, the word, the letter chaf is a chaf adimi, means something like this. In other words, ko'es, it's like this time, from which Rashi takes that there is yet going to be another time similar to this time. So we're not speaking about this very time right now. We're speaking about something that's going to be similar to the time we just had a Pasuk previously. The Pasuk said like this, Usruas Melech Boy. What does Usruas Melech Boy mean? Rashi translated, it's a Loshen Chibo Vereis, that the Yidin have a special friendship with Hashem. Just like there is that special time that the Yidin had now, a special friendship with Hashem, there's going to be another time like that, when the preciousness, the love of the Yidin is going to be revealed to everyone. And this is what Rashi is explaining, what is this special love that's going to be revealed, and that's going to be when Mashiach comes. So that's what forces us to say the first pshat, the ko'es azois. And that's why that pshat is the first pshat. The second pshat, when it says ko'es yeyomer Yaakov, what's this coming in continuation to? This is coming in continuation to the beginning of this very posik. When the posik says kiloi nachash biyakiv, loi kesem the yidin don't have all these soothsayers and magicians, etc., Rashi tells us the second shot is because when Yidin need to know something, it's given over to them through the Nevi'im or through the Urim V'tumim. According to this, says the Rebbe, in the first Pirush, the problem would be, and that's why we're going to need a second Pirush. According to the first Pirush, the problem will be that when it says, the second half of the Pasuk, that now the Yidin are being told, etc., this seemingly has nothing to do with the beginning of the Pasuk, because Rashi is translating, there's going to be another time when the Yidin is going to be revealed again, the love of the Yidin to Hashem, and how the Malachim are going to be asking the Yidin what Hashem is doing, etc. And this seemingly has nothing to do with the beginning of the Pasuk. According to the second Pirush, which tells us that the Yidin have their own Nevi'im, the problem is that the word Ye'omer Yaakov. As Rashi told us, simply, this is an illusion of the future. It's not in present tense. So it has to be something that's going to happen eventually. And the problem is also, what does it mean, ko'es, like this time? As if we're speaking about there's going to be another time like this time. But in the second Pirush, we're just saying the Nevi'im tell the Yidin what they need. So we're speaking about the present time. We're not speaking about some other times that are going to be like this time. So this is the, the way the Mepharshim understand the two Pirushim of Rashi and the advantage of each one. However, the Rebbe says there's still some issues, there's still things that need to be understood. Number one, yes, it's true that from the Pasuk itself tells us there's going to be another time similar to this time. And then it's going to be said to Yaakov and to Yisrael, as we translated, what is Hashem doing, that the Malachim are asking the Yidin, etc. However, the question still remains, what's the proof and why is it relevant to the simple meaning of these psukim? The, all those details that the Yidin are sitting and learning Torah from Hashem. And they're even closer into the Malachi Ashores. And the Malachim are asking, Mapoal Kale. So that's number one that the Rebbe wants to understand. Number two, we still need to understand why the first Pirush would come before the second one. On the contrary, the second Pirush seems to be closer to Pshut Mikra, because, as we said, the second Pirush is coming directly, the Ka'esiei Omer Liyakov is coming directly in continuation to the first part of the Pasuk. The first part of the Pasuk is saying, Loi Nachash we don't have our magicians. 
Rather, as the second half of the Pasuk says, because we have our own Nevi'im. Although, yes, we said there's some difficulties in the wording of the Pasuk, that it seems to be saying in the future tense or a different time, that word ka'es, we also said there's a difficulty with the word ye'amer, but nevertheless, the general idea seems to be closer to Pshut Mikra. In fact, says the Rebbe, we find that in the Medrish, the second Pirush of Rashi is in fact brought before the first one. Furthermore, the Ramban on the Pasuk only brings from Rashi the second Pirush. So it seems to be that the second Pirush is actually closer to Pshut Mikra, why then is Rashi bringing it second? Another thing the Rebbe asks is, from Rashi's words, Dover Acher, Yeyomer Liyakov, Einoi Loshin Asid, it's not in the future, but rather Loshin Hoiva, that tells us that the word Yeyomer could be translated in present tense as well. As Rashi himself had already explained in the past, that you could have things that are an ongoing basis, Dover Ahoiva Tamid, something that's all the time, and therefore the word Yeyomer could be referring to now as well. So it's not such a difficulty to say that it's referring to now. It doesn't have to be referring to the future. So therefore, even that problem of the Loshan of the Pasuk is not such a big deal in regards to the second Pirush. As well as the word Ka'es says, that is also not such a big problem. Even though we said Ka'es should mean there is going to be another time like this time. But Mepharshim tell us that the word Ka'es could be understood that Ka'es means that at any time when the Yidin need to know something, it's given over through a Nevi'im. So yes, it is referring to all the times that the Yidin need to know something. So seemingly, again, it's not such a problem, the word Ka'es, and therefore, once again, it would seem to be that the second Pirush is actually closer to Pshut Mikra. Says the Rebbe, seemingly we would be able to answer that the continuation to the beginning of the Pasuk, according to the first Pirush, again, the first Pirush was, that the Yidin are going to be closer in than the Malachim, when Mashiach comes, etc., etc., and we had a problem, how does that fit with the beginning of the Pasuk, so the Rebbe says, seemingly we could say that this is based on a Gemara. The Gemara says, any person that's not trying all of this fortune-telling and similar sorts of things, he's brought in the into that partition that even the Malachi Asharis cannot get into. As the Pasuk says, this Pasuk that we're referring to, Kiloi Nachash Kesem The Gemara is understanding when there is no Nachash, when there's no Kesem, when there isn't all of this magic and sorcery, etc. So what's going to happen? The Yidin are going to be closer than the Malachim and Yisrael. This is when they're going to say, Malachim are going to say to the Yidin, what is Hashem doing? That fits seemingly very much. The problem, however, is it's very difficult to say that that's what Rashi means. Because number one, we don't find any remez at all in Rashi telling us in any way that the fact that the Yidin are going to be sitting close to the Malachi Ashara says is, is a result of Kiloi Nachash B'Yaakov. Rashi doesn't seem to hint to that in any way whatsoever. Number two, if that's the case, why is this only going to be in the future? There's going to be eventually a time when Yidin are going to be in that high position. If there's no magic and sorcery and fortune-telling by the Yidin currently, presently, as Rashi says, so the result, the reward, that they're going to be sitting closer than the Malachim, should also be in this general time. And as in fact there was before, previously, there was already a time the Yidin heard the Aseris Hadibris from Hashem. Why shouldn't the Yidin now 
currently be experiencing all of this because there's no Nachash B'Yakov, there isn't any of this fortune-telling and soothsaying and, and magic, etc. Another point that Ebba asks is, why is it relevant, this idea exactly, that they're sitting in front of Hashem and learning Torah from His mouth? In Se'iv Dalad, the Rebbe goes on with a number of other diyukim in the words of Rashi. So number one, the Rebbe says, in the first pirush, the expression Malachi Hashores. What's this expression Malachi Hashores? Why don't we just say plain and simple Malachim? Number two, Rashi says, and this is what the Pasuk says, necha, It almost sounds like we're trying to learn Pshat, and now we understand the Pshat of that Pasuk. Is Rashi's idea in Pirush to come explain to us Pirushim explanations and meaning of Psukim and Tanakh? Why is that relevant over here? In the second Pirush says the Rebbe, when Rashi adds after the words, what Hashem has done, Rashi says, and what are his decrees in the heavens? How is that relevant in any way over here? Furthermore, in the continuation, Rashi will only mention, it's given over to them by the Nevi'im, what is the Gzairis, what are the decrees of Hashem, not what Hashem is doing. So in order to understand this, says the Rebbe, the explanation of all of this goes as follows. Balak had hired Bilam, as we know, to go and curse the Eden. It was in continuation, in connection to all of this, that Bilam starts off with his marshal for the first time, and he's explaining why he can't do this. Ma ekoiv, how could, could I go and curse? As Bilam said, ki etc. And the different Pirushim we have on that Pasuk, how he sees the origins, the beginning of the Yidden, the amazing, amazing Milois of the Yidden. As Rashi explains on those Psukim, how Bilam is explaining such a unique qualities about the Yidden, how could I go ahead and curse them? The same thing happens the second time Bilam starts over this marshal. He starts over the words, Loish Kale V'yechazev. Hashem is not a person that's going to start um, being deceived and using deception, etc., etc. In other words, there's no way that he'll be able to carry out Bullock's desire to kill out the Yidden in the Midbar because of the way the Abishta loves the Yidden, basically, and because of all the Yidden's great qualities. And he goes on to discuss the Milois, the advantages in the, of the Yidden, and the love that the Abishta has for the Yidden, how the Abishta even overlooks their Averois. On the contrary, Suruas Melech Boy, as we said before, it's an expression of friendship. They have Hashem's friendship. Then he goes on to say that not only can't I curse the Yidden, but just the opposite. As Rashi tells us, not only don't they deserve curses, they deserve brachos because of how great they are, because they don't have all of this magic and sorcery, etc. So the Rebbe says further that what Bilam is saying now is since they don't have all of these menachashim, all of these sorcerers, etc. And and therefore that should be a bracha on them. This may now seem as if there's some sort of problem with Bilam. This is in a certain way going to be degrading Bilam in the eyes of Balak. You're praising the Eden that they don't have. Menachashim and Kaismim, etc. That seems to be a put down for Bilam. And therefore Bilam goes on to discuss the special qualities of the Yidden in order to emphasize that the reason I can't curse the Yidden is not only because there's a problem with my lifestyle, that I'm a Koysim, that I'm one of these sorcerers, etc., 
but it's mainly because of the tremendous qualities of Yidin, and that is what he continues to hint now with his marshal when he says, and in his Ramazim, that he's hinting to with the words, how does this work? So the Rebbe says like this, the word ko'es, like the time, with the comets, ko'es, represents a famous special time, like the time. And since we're speaking about how much the Abishta loves the Yidin, it's quite obvious which time we're speaking about, when Hashem showed his special favoritism and love for the Yidin. And this is something that even a Ben Chamesh Lamikra knows, that the time that the Abishta showed how precious the Yidin are to him, when was this noticeable in a very clear way? That was by Matan Torah. Regarding which it says, Hashem says, You're going to be my special treasure from amongst all the nations. The whole world belongs to me. As Rashi translates over there, Segula means an oitzer chaviv, a special cherished treasure. And so too, you're going to be my special treasure from amongst all the nations. Says Rashi further over there, this is in Pashas Yisrael, that don't think that you're the only ones around, there's no one else. And therefore, how is your special love noticeable? You're the only one, so of course I love you. No, the whole world belongs to me. And yet, they are all considered nothing to me, and I love you specifically. So the special time that we saw Hashem's love to the Eden is by Matan Torah. So back to our Pasuk, when it says, like the time that the Eden were shown their love right now, is going to be a time in the future similar to that time. In other words, the time of the future is going to be similar to the time of Matan Torah. And therefore it's understood that just like by Matan Torah, the Eden learned Torah from Hashem himself, the Aseris Hadibris, they heard directly from Hashem, so, so too, Rashi tells us, there's going to be another time when we're going to be learning Torah directly from the Abishta. And since love in an open and revealed way is going to be expressed when you compare it with someone else and something else, you say compared to those others, you are especially cherished in love, as Rashi himself said, we just quoted before from Parshas Yisrael. So therefore it's understood that when we're discussing the concept of Limudah Torah, that Yidin are going to learn Torah, now, remember, Goyim have no connection at all to the whole concept of Limudah Torah. So if we want to compare the Yidin to someone, we're going to compare the love in comparison to the Malachi Hashores. Even those Malachim, that their whole union is Lashores, meaning Kevayochel, so to speak, to be serving Hashem. The Rebbe explains, there's different kinds of Malachim. There are Malachim that what their main thing is, is to carry out a particular mission for Hashem, to bring it down here in this world. Like we learned already earlier by the Malachim that came to Avram to accomplish different shlichusin. One Malach came to give the good news to Sarah. Another Malach came to turn over Sdoim. Another Malach came to cure Avram, as Rashi explains. Because one Malach doesn't do two shlichusin. So too we find a Malach comes to Hagar and similar sorts of things. Says Rashi over here was speaking about a totally different category of Malachim. Malachi Hasharis, these are the Malachim that are Kavayachal, so to speak, serving and assisting, if you want to call it, Hashem Himself. So here we're speaking about very, very great Malachim. And even compared to these Malachim, these Malachi Hasharis, it will be noticeable the special love that the Abishta has for the, for, for the Yidin, that they are learning Torah directly from Hashem, and the Malachim are asking the Yidin what exactly Hashem is doing. Says the Rebbe, now we'll understand what Bilam is saying. How this is coming in continuation to this idea that Kiloinachash Biyakov Yidin 
don't have all of these sorcerers. And Ru'uyimim Lebracha, they are deserving a bracha. And now Bilam adds and explains why no curse could come upon them. And it's not only because he has this inferior thing called to be a Menachesh and a Kaisim, and they don't have that, but rather he's saying it's because of this essential quality of Yidin, which will be ultimately revealed how much the Abishta loves them to the extent that their Mechitza, the place where they are, is even closer than the Malachi Ashoris. Says the Rebbe further, after learning this, one could have a question. Number one, we find by Matan Torah that the Yidin say to Hashem, Daber you speak to us and we will hear. Let Hashem not talk to us, we're afraid we're going to die. And that's actually what happens. The people stand from a distance. So how does it make sense that at this special time in the future, Yidin will learn Torah directly from Hashem? Furthermore, even if yes, that it will be again a time similar to Matan Torah. Why does that time negate the curse of Bilam more than the time that Matan Torah was able to negate the curse of Bilam? If Matan Torah is not negating it, so why is the future time going to negate it? And this is why Rashi brings, number one, the Pasuk, that this is what the, it says clearly, that yes, we do have a Pasuk that says clearly that the Abishta will be the teacher of the Yidden and we are going to be able to see Hashem. And number two, as Rashi quotes, Shein Yoishvin of the Yidden are going to be sitting in front of Hashem. In other words, it's not just a one-off thing for a very temporary and short amount of time. But in a way of Yoishvin, they're going to sit there in a permanent, fixed way, as Rashi himself already had explained in the past, that ain't Teishev that the word Teishev means that you're spending time somewhere, you're staying somewhere. And this is the big difference between the way things are going to be lo'asid lover, where we're going to re- really be permanently fixed, learning Torah from the Eibishter. And as the Pasuk says, clearly, says the Rebbe, this is all explaining the first Pirush of Rashi. Why do we now need the second Pirush? Because the question now becomes, since at the end of the day, this is something that's only going to be in the future... Why is that a reason that because of that, now Bilam cannot curse the Yidden? And this is why Rashi brings a second Peter's Dover Acher. That Ye'omer Le'yakiv is not speaking about the future, rather speaking something about the present. That every single time the Yidden need to be told something. What Hashem is doing, etc. So they don't have all the magicians and the sorcerers, rather it's given over to them through the Nevi'im. Which according to this was speaking about something that's presently happening. Not only something that's going to be in the future. So what's the problem with this pirush? The problem with this pirush is, because the words then, that right now Yidin are being told by the Nevi'im, etc., then it's seemingly not really adding any new detail to why the Yidin deserve a bracha. Bilam already said before that he can't curse them, and the beginning of the passage it says, Kiloi Nachash B'Yaakov, that they don't have sorcerers, etc., etc. So fine. So they don't have sorcerers because what they know is going to be through the Nevi'im. So there wasn't really so much added to the first point of the Pasuk, another reason why they shouldn't be cursed. And this is why, says the Rebbe, that Rashi accepts as the first Pirush, the main Pirush in Shal Mikra, 
Because since we're trying to say that Bilam is explaining that he's benching the Yidin and speaking about their very, very great qualities, it's understood that in his words, the one that will much greater bring out their qualities, even though it's in the future, nevertheless, it's closer to the pshat, to the meaning of what Bilam is trying to say and the meaning of the psukim. Says the Rebbe in Siftes, although we just explained that in the second Pirush it seems like there's nothing really being added in the quality of the Yidin, nevertheless it makes sense to say that even in the second Pirush, where the words of Bilam are coming and adding something to why he can't curse the Yidin, it must be that here too he's giving something additional and adding something about the Yidin. And the Rebbe explains it like this. Bilam knew that Hashem doesn't want the Yidin to be cursed. What is he thinking, as we know, that he could figure out the time that Hashem is going to be angry, and then he will be able to curse the Yidin. So Rashi says in the second Pirush, that the Yidin know, what Hashem's decrees are up on high in heaven. This is given over to them through their Nevi'im. What are Hashem's Gzairis? Meaning to say, that also according to the second Pirush, these words, is another reason why he can't curse them. Because even the moment that Hashem is getting angry, who knows about what's going on in heaven? The Yidin through the Nevi'im and the Urim Vitumim know that Hashem is getting angry and therefore they can take off the Xeris through Tshuva. So therefore, according to the way the Rebbe is explaining it now, even in the second Pirush, there is an additional Milo happening and another reason why Bilam cannot curse the Yidin. Says the Rebbe, based on all of this, that the difference between the two Pirushim is really, um, the Rebbe says, based on all of this, we could say that the difference between these two Pirushim is really a discussion and a debate regarding a very, very general question, something that has relevance even in Halacha. And that is, when we have two situations, when we look at a quality of something great that's going to be, but only in the future, and then you try to contrast that with another quality, but smaller, but you have it right now in the present, which one outweighs the other? According to the first Pirush, means that they are deserving a bracha, and that there's no room for any curses at all, because of the tremendous mila that's going to be, it's going to be revealed, their love in the future, that their mechitzo is even closer than the malachi asharis. So this is an unbelievable quality, a very great thing. However, it's something only that's going to be in the future. So it seems like according to the first Pidush, the focus is a greater mila, even if it's in the future. The second Pidush, on the other hand, so in fact, was speaking about that their mila maybe is not so great. In fact, it's not so great. In fact, they're even getting into a little bit of trouble. Hashem is getting angry at them. It's possible to be a curse. But since their Nevi'im know about it, and they give over to them Hashem's decrees, and they protect them that to be able to nullify these decrees to do tshuva, so the anger doesn't come out with Poyal Mamash. So therefore it seems to be a smaller quality. But on the other hand, it's something present, something right now. So seemingly we could now see, based on these two Pirushim and Rashi, and the order of these two Pirushim, it would seem to be the Rashi putting the first one first, it would seem to say that Rashi in his understanding Al-Derech is saying that the, that the first one is the one that outweighs. And in other words, when we have a greater mila, even though it's much later, it's going to be in the future, that outweighs a, small, a smaller quality, although that smaller quality is happening right now. 
However, the Rebbe says, not necessarily is this an absolute proof from Rashi. Why not? So the Rebbe says two reasons. Number one, Rashi is telling us what Bilam is saying. Now remember, Bilam himself is a Navi. We say that Bilam was a Navi by the Goyim, just like the Yidin had Navim. And therefore, the fact in the second Pirush, that Nimsar Lohem that the Yidin are getting messages through the Navim, is obviously not going to be such a great quality compared to that within the first one where they're le- listening directly from Hashem Himself. In other words, the first one seemingly would anyways outweigh for another reason because this is coming directly from Hashem Himself rather than listening to a Navi where, uh, in, in, since Bilam again is the one that's saying this, Bilam himself was a Navi, so the idea of Nevoah not necessarily is such a big deal compared to listening to Hashem himself. And therefore maybe that's why that's the first period, because that's a much greater thing, listening to Hashem himself. More importantly, says the Rebbe, when we speak about a Mila that's going, according to the first period, it's not only a Mila that's going to be in the future, that means only in the future are Yidin going to be cherished by Hashem. We're speaking about something that's true right now as well, that the Yidna especially loved by Hashem. It's only in the future it's going to be revealed, the Mila of the Yidna. So we're not really comparing a Mila of the future and something of nowadays, because even the Mila of the future is also nowadays. And therefore we can't bring an absolute proof to the concept of when you would have a situation where there's a Mila that's going to happen, to say that that also outweighs something of the present, not necessarily do we have a conclusive proof for that. Says the Rebbe Nidalif, according to all of this, we see that the main point in all of Bilam's words is the unusual, amazing qualities of the Yidin, which he's forced to emphasize a number of times again and again in order to answer the demands of Bullock, that keeps on saying, please go curse the Yidin for me, and therefore, and according to Drush and according to Remez, the whole marshal, the whole marshal that Bilam is given, it's the simple understanding that clearly, what are these psukim saying? It must be that we're speaking about the qualities of Eden, because that's what Bilam is trying to say, why I can't curse them and why I need to bless them. Says the Rebbe, this is why Rashi says those last words that we had a question before about Targumunklus. In fact, Rashi is wondering. Rashi is surprised. In many other places in our parsha, Rashi definitely does learn like Targumunklos. He says, Targumunklos, or at least along with another Pirush, with the exception of this Pasuk, even compared to further Psukim. And Rashi is surprised that Rashi, that Unklus is not translating like any of these two Pirush from that we said. Rather, Unklus chooses a Pirush, which is basically just translating the words in a very, very literal sense. Now, even though Rashi holds differently, that in this case we do need to go away from the literal translation of the words and give these two Pirush from that we said, because it's a marshal, as we said, and all of the Psukim need to be speaking about the quality of the Yidin, Nevertheless, Rashi doesn't completely negate Unklus. And because, as we know, Unklus is usually translating Pshute Shomikra. And even when Rashi often says that it's a Pasuk that needs a Drasha, etc. So, Rashi usually, as we know, is going to... Rashi is usually trying to stick to Pshute Shomikra, to the simple Pshat in the Pasuk. 
So in some cases it'll go away. But even he admits that usually we try to stick to Pshut Shal Mikra, and therefore even here he's not completely negating the Pshat of Unklos. He just mentions that Unklos for some reason didn't translate it this way. Says the Rebbe in Sifud Beis, one of the heroes that we have from all of this is that not only is the Giluya through the Nevi'im, a pu'ulanim shech is a thing, an ongoing thing all the time. And it exists in all times. And in all times we have clear hoiroys that the Eibishter reveals through his servants, the heads of the Yidin, the Rashi Alpha Yisrael, the leaders of the Yidin, in every single generation. But there's also the idea that Yidin are learning Torah from Hashem, and this is also not something only that happened once upon a time. By Matan Torah in the Midbar, but rather it's an ongoing thing all the time, that whenever a Yid sits and learns Torah properly, there becomes ta'an l'shoini imra secha, that we are saying Hashem's words, meaning that we are right now learning it along with Hashem, we're learning it from Hashem's mouth. It's only that right now we don't see it, and in the future, as Rashi says, tigalechibosan lein koil, it will be revealed their love to everyone. And therefore it's understood that there's never any reason to be nispal, to get affected by those people that try to laugh, by those people that try to make fun of limudat toire and kiyum amitzvah, and especially on spreading chassidus and yiddishkeit, on spreading toire and yiddishkeit. Because we have the clear hoirois from the ones that, from the one who gilo dvarovai the avod of the eibishter that reveals his words through his servants. <coughs> and furthermore, he himself learns toire from Hashem. And therefore, we find ourselves together with Hashem. As it says, when you learn Torah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is sitting and learning Torah right opposite you. In fact, we even say in, in, in a halacha that just like Bamat and Torah, the Yidin was standing there in awe and fear, so to every single time you learn Torah, you have to be in that particular state of mind. And therefore, Yid is always tamim tiyah, he's wholesome with Hashem, he's with Hashem, along with Hashem, and therefore he has nothing to be nispal from all of. Rakshu Goyim, of all the gatherings of the Goyim, try to get together and speak about the Yidin, etc., because he knows that it's all for nothing, it's all absolute nothingness, even if it's coming from a Melech, even if it's coming from a high official, like Balak Melech Moyov, or from one of the prophets of the Goyim, like Bilam, because really, even they know, and definitely Mazlayu Chazi, their Mazlap on above knows, the tremendous mile of Yidin, that they are even greater than the Malachi Asharis. Until all the Ummah Yisraelim must admit that the Yidin are deserving the Brachis, because they don't have Menachashim and Koismim. That means they completely don't reckon with, they completely don't take into consideration all of the ways of the Goyim. Yidin stand strong in their Amunah and Torah. And then, instead of Chas V'Shalim to disturb the Yidin, the Goyim come along and bench the Yidin and help the Yidin, that the Yidin should be lacking nothing, shouldn't be missing anything. And Adirab, and specifically in going out, Makariv Mamash and the Midbragolos, to go into the Gula Amitis in Eretz HaKodesh, the up, exactly the opposite of what Balak wanted. And we come to the Tigalachi Bosom and Kerl when the Yidin's love, the Abishta's love for the Yidin is revealed to everyone. As the Apostle says, when the kings themselves and their, and, and, sorry, same is the officers' wives, the mistresses, etc., are all going to be doing and working for the Yidin. And the foreigners will get up and shepherd the Yidin's sheep in the Gula Amitis Vashleimah Bekoroiv Mamash.